Megan. Yep. Hi, Coach Kev. How are you? I'm good. Thanks so much for joining us here on Coachable. How are you today? Good. Good. It's hot here. Pretty much over summer, ready for fall. Happy (laughs) summer. And yeah, you're usually finding a beach at this point. Uh, I think you just got back from the beach, right? Yeah, I've been bopping around trying to um, trying to mix it up a little bit here in this work from home environment. So it's been good. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to those challenges in a little bit. Uh, but for those listening, um, uh, first of all, w- welcome to episode three of Coachable. Um, I'm here with Megan Steele. Uh, she's a longtime client of ours and she uh, is an excellent referrer. Um, so we're clearly doing something right at Structure Personal Fitness. Um, in addition, uh, I've really admired Megan's um, tenacity and work ethic from afar. So uh, I've been trying to get her on to the podcast for a while. Um, and uh, I'm really excited to kind of dive deep. Um, she's really had a lot of hats at um, at her current company. I'll let her talk about that. Um, but so I'm really just excited to, um, to hear uh, a little bit more about questions that potentially we just we don't get to ask. Um, when in a training session, specifically, I just kind of like, let it go. Um, and, you know, let let you talk to uh, our other clients, etc. Um, or just, you know, focus <laughs> on the workout. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so Megan, what, what am I missing from that, from your introduction? If you had to give you an introduction to yourself in 30 seconds. Sure. So um, Megan Steele, I um, lead our state local education and healthcare practice at a company called NetApp or a technology firm focusing on data management solutions. So I've been working with the public sector for gosh, just two weeks shy of 16 years at NetApp. And um, very, very um, mission-focused and mission-oriented set of clients that we've had for a long time and really, really enjoy serving them and working with them. So um, it's been exciting. It's been a long, long, good road, um, but looking forward to chatting with you a little bit. Yeah. And you know, that's a good place to start. You've been at the same company for 16 years, and I would potentially argue that that's almost an anomaly or, or is NetApp one of those companies that um, does manage to keep people around because they're an excellent company to work for and they have... Um, you know, maybe great benefits and, and a great corporate ladder to climb and they're constantly pushing. How, what are they doing something that right? Is it, is it like, tell me a little bit about that environment. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of a combination of both, right? I think a, um, I like to say, and people say, wow, 16 years, which I would agree with you is a, is a bit of an anomaly, especially in the technology space. Um, but I would argue that NetApp has been three different companies since I've been here. We've evolved as the market has evolved. Right. So that's what's really kind of, you think, long term, what's kept me here, because there's always been challenges, new things to learn, new, way, new ways to go to market, new focuses, new things to talk to customers about um, for the past 16 years. So that's and that's really where I drive a lot of um kind of energy from, right? Always learning new things. One of the mantras that I use a lot with my team, right, is that there's no comfort in growth and no growth in comfort, right? And so to constantly be challenging yourself and constantly learning new things. And if you wake up kind of with an intellectual curiosity every day, um, it really makes it an exciting, exciting day at work. So that's really what's kept me. And then, yeah, you add in all the culture and everything else that goes with it. Um, I have been here 16 years, but I'm on job eight. Um, and hmm. so I think that also helps and as soon as things got a little bit, a little bit stale, right? We moved on to something new and a new thing to learn, whether that was a new market. Um, like I said, I've been in public sector, but primarily for the most of the first part of my career in public sector, I focused on the federal clients, right? So DOD, intelligence clients. Um, and this latter part, I've been really focusing on our sled market. And so those are two different, very wildly diverse markets. Um, and so that's kept it interesting and learning um, and really kept me 
um, engaged. And then also I worked in a different, a number of different offices. I worked in both our DC office as well as our New York city office, two different offices, two different sets of people, right. A lot of, um, a lot of good things there to kind of moving around across the different spaces. Sure. And you mentioned intellectual curiosity um, in, ter- in terms of continuously growing. What, where, where does that come from? I mean, you, you obviously have two degrees, um, you know, but it, it's not like they teach adaptation, uh, excuse me, that it's not like they teach curiosity, you know, in, in college necessarily, but you, you still, you come at, you, you said you're at job eight. How does this, is this part of maybe that, that initial question of they keep challenging you with different roles. And because of that, that's exciting for you. Like, is, is, uh, where, where does that, where does that initial, um, curiosity, uh, I guess actually, where is it stoked? That's, that's my, my biggest question. Where, how did, how is your curiosity stoked? Is it mostly at, at work? Um, like, you know what I mean? I think a little, I mean, I think it's in an, a little bit of an inherent trait, right? Um, I was definitely a precocious child. I think my parents <laughs> would agree to that much. Um, and I just, I, I actually thought in college that I was going to be a journalist kind of growing up in high school and then going, um, when I was in college, that was my original plan. And then I was going to go into law. Um, and then I ended up in sales. So, um, it's not the path that I think I kind of thought as I was, um, you know, coming through school, but I thought I was going to be a journalist because I just love to ask questions. Like I was wondering, like, how does that work? What, what do you mean by that? You know, I'm always asking questions. Um, and so I think that's something that's just part of my DNA. And then from a sales perspective and business perspective, I think it's really helped me in my career because I'm always asking customers or partners or clients or people at work, like, how does that work? And then I'll, you know, why do you want to do it that way? Or how can we help you? Or also just challenging the norm, like, what is this? Cause it all, we did it that way before. Do we always have to do it that way? Right. Kind of challenging it because it's just how my mind kind of works. So I think that's a little bit, I think, I'm sure you can build intellectual curiosity, right. Reading and doing a lot of other things through school. But for me, I think it's part of just my nature and who I am. Love that. Love that. And um, with, with NetApp, you said, it, you said it evolved three times. You're, you're on job number eight. Um, can you talk a little bit about like, did everybody evolve and adapt with the company and, and stay on? I'm just, I'm trying to get and pin down, you know, turnover is, is hard, right? Mm-hmm. Like turn, when you lose it, when you lose somebody and you have to hire and then it takes three to six months to get them ramped up at minimum, at right? Least, yeah. and, and, and getting them acclimated to the team, it's a, it's a big deal. And um, so I'm kind of curious about, you know, both, both the management of your team, which we'll get to later, um, but more on, on really, uh, employee retention. I mean, um, and you mentioned culture too. So I guess my, my biggest question here is how, how does NetApp and how do you solve for um, potential high turnover in the technology field, but also just in, in general? Yeah, I think from a culture perspective, right? I think that we're a pretty candid, you know, we kind of really pride ourselves on candor. Um, right. And we're, rel- we're relatively like relatively flat organization. Obviously, there's hierarchy, right, because there's hierarchies in every organization. But if you go and sit into a room, I just had last week, I was just on a call with my CEO and a, and a customer client actually went in New York City. Um, right. And I joined a little bit early um, to get, make sure the Webex was, was set up and he's already on just sitting there hanging out waiting for us. And I was like, oh, right. And so we're just chatting about and I have a long standing relationship. We're just chatting about going back to school what are you seeing out in the field what do you think about this hey you know and we're, we're gonna we just announced that we're not going to reopen office offices or make people come back to offices quote unquote until july of next year 
right? So kind of just chatting with him about how that decision evolved. And it's just a normal conversation, right? I, there was no um, no in- intimidation factor, right? When I'm just sitting there um, speaking with George. And I think that's been something that's permeated our, through our culture the entire time I've been here, right? You always feel like everyone's on one team. We're all here to help the customer be successful, thereby making ourselves successful, right? I never... Um, Right. As soon as we were done with the call, he calls me. He's like, how'd you think that went? Right. I mean, automatically thinking about, okay, what do we need to do here? How can we help this customer? How can we do what we need to do um, to be successful? And I think that part of the culture gets good people to stay for a long time because everyone's here kind of rowing in the same direction, trying to be successful for, you know, public sector, especially we're very mission focused, right? Because our customers are very mission focused. Sure. Yeah, I love that. I mean, there's a book Mindset by Carol Dweck. I don't know if you have you read that yep. one. Yeah, we did a lot of we did a lot of work on growth mindset. Speaking to your point about yeah. evolve or die, right? yep. in terms of like, hey, their market's shifting. And to your, I think your question before, did everyone? No, not everyone moves, right? Some people just right. don't want to, and that's perfectly fine, right? And that right. where you're at, then it's probably time for you to go find something else to do, and us to find someone else to do that role. Um, but yeah, growth mindsets, uh, we've been chatting about that. I'm talking about that at work for probably about the past 24 months at the cloud, right? If anybody knows a little bit about technology, right? The cloud, right? AWS, Azure, Google, right? That's been the big disruptor in our industry for the past three. So that's really driving this growth mindset across the business. Interesting. And, um, yeah, it's a phenomenal book for those who haven't read it. It's a, a mindset by Carol Dweck. Um, talks about the difference between growth and uh, fixed mindset and really how the you're, you will not learn the same amount. You will not simply grow the same amount um, with, with a fixed mindset. It's just, it's going to be, you know, you're kind of digging your heels into the sand um, kind of thing. But um, you mentioned the word candor and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm harkening back to another book, Radical Candor um, and another individual, uh, Ray Dalio, um, who wrote um, Principles. Mm-hmm. And, but I'm, I'm also looking at like, there was a spectrum, right. Of like, like kind of lack of candor, like afraid to say something versus like not afraid to say it in any environment in the boardroom on the conference call, like you said, to get off a call and jump on it and say, how did I do? So the CEO is asking you, how did I do like that level of candor? But that doesn't, that doesn't, that doesn't happen overnight. And you, like you said, uh, maybe it just starts with a, a growth mindset and the culture is great at NetApp, but I would imagine there's a, there's a, a learning process and a teaching process to candor. Like, how, how do you teach that? How do you instill that level of candor where someone's not afraid to approach you who maybe just started six months ago and is like, well, should I say something or should I not? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that, that, that certainly that's um, something you have to work towards and a, a little bit is in, in the hiring process, right? When I interview people that are going to join my team, I'm, you know, I come, I tell people I'm candid and I want people on my team to to be candid around me, right? Because I think I'm very big on hiring for diversity. And that's not just for race and gender, that's diversity of thought and mind, right? I want people to come to the table with different perspectives, different backgrounds, different ideas. And I want us to hear all of them. Because if we hear all of them, we'll come to the best conclusion. If we all just kind of mimic each other, right? You hear like that echo chamber, You'll hear that about social media and all all kinds of different things where everyone just says the same thing. So, of course, you come to the same conclusion because you're all saying the same thing. Might not be the best path forward, might not be the best resolution, right? And so I think that if you – and I I talk about it in the interview process. So anyone at least who joins my team knows that that's how we operate and that's – those are my expectations, right? And so I think um, that's part of it. It's part of just the communication style and process. And I think that 
it comes from the top, right? So when you have a CEO that operates that way and you have his other leadership that operate that way, it helps foster that throughout the entire company. Interesting. Um, I have a, a kind of a shift in uh, from management to kind of an entrepreneurship um, thought process here. You used to travel a lot and obviously that's been affected. Um, but I'm, I'm curious on your time management because for, for, you know, for those listening, um, Megan was pretty much the first person um, at the 6 a.m. time slot most days um, in the gym. And it was because she had a 7.30 call. And um, so I, I'm, I'm curious about your time management and any strategies that you've um, maybe uh, embraced over the last six to seven months um, and, and how you, how you're, how you do it. Like, I, I'm just, you know, do you, do you have a strategy that maybe is uh, different than everyone else? Is it is a specific calendar? Like what's your, what's your, what's time management like for you? Um, yeah. So my life has dramatically changed in post in a post COVID world. Um, I actually got on a flight for the first time a couple weeks ago and I was like, this is weird. And I used to live <laughs> in airports, you know, so right, it was definitely right. a little bit of like um, an interesting experience. Um, but I've traveled, gosh, probably the 16 years of NetApp, I've traveled for 14 of them. Um, yeah. And so at a certain point, it just becomes part of you know, getting, my commute was getting on in an Uber and going to get on a train or getting on a plane or it just became how I lived. Um, and I was and just very, for those listening, just for those listening, when you say traveled, can you give an idea of how many miles? Because it's not it's not like like 50,000. Yeah, it's about 100, 150 every year. And that's just airplane that doesn't include train um that's all domestic so right. <laughs> it's not like i'm going to japan and getting logging a lot of miles at right. once um it's domestic um primarily domestic flights i did have a period of time when i was covering some international locations but primarily domestic um flights and um it's pretty much four days a week right i typically you know try to do mondays in the home office just because you know monday meetings as everyone knows them right and so it's just better mm-hmm. to take those from home if i could um but then i was pretty much gone um for the rest of the week probably in two or three different locations sometimes in two or three different time zones um just depending on on where i needed to go to see to see clients so it just kind of became part of who i was and people would ask a lot speaking of the gym right how i worked out mm-hmm. when i was on the road and for right. me that just became i just i saw, I tell people like look you can either figure out how to live on the road or the road's going to live on you. Right? And like, you know, <laughs> like, like you're, you've got client dinners, you're, you're not eating regular schedule. Like there's just a lot that comes with it, but if you can figure out whatever it is that normalizes it for you, it really helps you stay on a cadence. And so I actually would find joy. And if I was in a new city, Oh, that's a new way to see the city to go for a run. Or sure. I would I you know, look to see like, Hey, what, where's, you know, is there a local soul cycle studio or are there like different things that I can do to kind of ingrate, my, you know, ingrate myself into that, that local culture. So yeah, I saw tons of cities by just by running. Right. And there were some places that I would go repetitively that I developed a running path where I knew where I would like look forward. It's like, Oh yeah, I'm going to run or whatever. Right. So I think there's that component to it. Um, so yeah, when COVID hit, it was quite the shock to the system there at the beginning. Um, a lot mm-hmm. of people were like, this is great. You know, I'm not, I'm saving all this money because I'm not doing all these other things. I'm like, I mean, I have to pay electricity bills now. I'm like living in my house. <laughs> <laughs> this is costing me. My, I'm paying my own groceries. Um, so it was a little bit of a, a joke at the beginning. And at the very beginning, I mean, look, the world was upside down. And so everyone was trying to figure out which way was up, whether you were a traveler or you weren't a traveler or everything that was going on. It was just wild. Now I think we've, you know, for better or for worse, um, settled into a cadence here. Um, that is a little bit um, 
you know, it is what it is for right now. I think travel will, I think travel is pretty much on pause through the end of the calendar year, to be honest, right. At, at a business right. level, um, right. just for safety reasons. So we'll see what, you know, what 2021 brings us there. But from how I managed kind of my schedule is you're right. I like the early workouts that kind of, for me, just gets me going in the morning, kind of gets my head in the right spot there. Um, I typically get up around five. People think I'm crazy, but I really like hmm. that five to six. I kind of like, I kind of find it to be like a little bit of a magical hour for the way my brain operates to get up so quiet, right? Peaceful. I don't have emails coming at me and I don't have calling me. I don't have other things that can kind of distract me and I can drink coffee and kind of do what I would consider to be thinking tasks, right? Things mm-hmm. that really needed me to focus on them. Um, sure. I, I need to do those in the morning. I'm not someone that can pull in, even in college, I wasn't like an all nighter. I, I was the one who would get up at, you know, six, maybe in college, right. And study right. before the 10 AM test versus trying to stay up till 10 or 11 at night and then sleeping. Like for me, I'm just morning operated. Right. right. So that's why and, I was ready to come to the gym at six. <laughs> right. And do you, do you lay out your day the night before? Is that, is that like, do you, do you give yourself a task of, I want to think long and hard about this project or like, I want to prepare for this call or like, like, is that, is that something that you do? You lay it out or like, how, how was your day set up? Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I like to look at, um, I generally keep kind of a running task list of things that I need to um, accomplish and some are like, you know, must be done today. And then some are just like, oh yeah, you need to get this done this week. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I tend to look at my task list at the end of the day before I kind of call it quits just to see if there was something that I forgot to do that was needed to, what did need to be due today. And right. then I'll look to see what do I need to work on? It's like, like this morning I got up, I have my big, we call it an all hands call, right? Just my whole organization on a phone call on Thursday. So though, that's what I would consider to be a thinking task. Sure. So I knew that this morning, that's what I was going to do for my hour of coffee, getting myself mm-hmm. ready to go work out. Right. So like, that's kind of how I organize. So I'll know, okay, tomorrow I'm going to kind of block that hour out to do that. Um, so I think that, and then having a little bit um, of structure there in terms of, then I know I work out, then I know I come home and shower and then my day's ready. I find, I find it challenging to work out at night. Cause for me, it's just like, I kind of get a little bit lethargic later in the day. So I just prefer sure. to get that, that energy spurt in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know how people do it. Honestly, <laughs> I'm just not like after, after like four o'clock, I'm like, who is this person inside me right now? Cause I don't want to work out. <laughs> I mean, maybe it was like a social event. Where I was going to go meet a bunch of my gal pals for like a yoga class. It was like a reason <laughs> to do yeah. it. But like in a general practice, it's just not my, it's not my best yeah. time. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready I'm to like have a glass of wine, <laughs> like <laughs> hang out for a minute. <laughs> so yeah. No, I love that. Um, and uh, there was a question I had with that, but um, uh, all right. Did you, oh, so as far as to-do lists, are you one of those people that like um, you use a, a, a like a year planner or are you like an Evernote or are you, I'm just kind of going after like technology or are you like, you like to write stuff down? I tried to transform to technology um, about a year ago and like all, cause I was getting behind on my notes. I've taken, I'm a I'm like, I take a lot of notes in meetings because that's how I learn is to write things down. And so, but I was getting behind and getting my notes out to people because, you know, you do three or four meetings, you get on the plane, you move to the next city. And then I would get behind on it. So I thought, okay, let me try this whole um, <laughs> Evernote and iPad <laughs> get into this. And I just couldn't get into it. I'll, maybe I'll give it a try again when we, um, you know, when we get back to a little bit of more normalcy, but um, I'm mainly a paper note taker like I'll have to have a notepad full of my to-do list and then I'll just make notes and I usually keep it in like one of those old school planners to be honest and then I'll have mm-hmm. like a notepad where I'm taking longer notes 
that accompanies it. Um, again, I'll try, I'm trying to go to more technology. I get it. <laughs> I get why it's productive. It just, for some reason, my brain hasn't gotten there yet. That's fair. I'm, I'm with you. I, I just ordered two new planners, like one that's like a, like a, a, a 365 and one that's like a more like just like a deep thought one. So I'm, I'm, I'm with you there. Um, so going back to uh, NetApp, a little bit separate from you, um, I would quantify that you've surrounded yourself, at least you hang out with yourself. You know that quote, um, you know, uh, you're an average of the five people you spend the most time with. Mm-hmm. Um, I, well, first of all, do you agree with that sentence? Yeah, I think I think that you obviously um, the people influence your life, right? And I think that at least I have had had people. There's you know there's constants, right? right. Um, but there's also like I would say you have like waves of people in your life. You know, if you had different friends in high school, then you had pal, you know, said in college, and you've got your work colleagues. So I think there's um, there's and then I think you're driving um, deriving from that group of people that you hang out with the most, or you spend the most time with, what you need for that phase of your life. Sure. And, and so with those five, um, you surrounded yourself with, uh, you know, a, a couple individuals um, and you've referred them obviously to us. And I'm, I'm always uh, super grateful for that um, between Megan Quinn and uh, between Heather Potter and Mary Kate. Um, how important is it to you to be surrounded by not just not just the talent? I mean, you know, um, like uh, I'm looking at like, uh, you know, just the organization itself, um, what, and, and even in sales, a lot of sales individuals who are, you know, they excel, um, they're kind of lone rangers a little bit. But it seems to me that you've been surrounded this entire, well, maybe not this entire time, now that I know that you've had eight different jobs. Um, but <laughs> is, it, is it really important to you to be, su- to, to be surrounded by a, a, good, a good working environment? Um, well, obviously, but more the, the team, like, like, or do you feel like you, you're just kind of a lone ranger? I'm definitely not a lone ranger. I'm definitely a resource hog, if anything. Like, people at work know that. Like, when I see what I need for my team to be successful, hell hath no fury, right? We will get what okay. we need to um, – because uh, I really believe – also, I believe, look, I think the customer and the client really deserves that, right? There's no way you – you can't be a one-man show, in, at least in technology sales, and be successful, in my opinion. You really have to have – a strong set of resources that have a lot of different expertise that can bring everything to the table for the customer to have the most successful engagement with you. So I've always been someone um, that brings, brings, you know, brings the village in to make sure that we're successful in whatever we're, we're trying mm-hmm. to accomplish. Um, I think that also probably, as I said, I was going to be a journalist and go to law school and all of a sudden technology sales and, you know, the army, which are <laughs> three of my four sure. Right. And so for me, it was what I would always I'm very focused on mission focus with, with the customer. If you lead with whatever the mission is the customer needs to achieve, especially if you're dealing with a public sector customer, um, then you will, they will be successful and you will be successful versus leading with going back to the Lone Ranger sales rep, leaning with what you need as a salesperson, right? We, sure. I, you see a lot of people in sales kind of have their objectives and lead with their objectives versus sit, taking back and understanding what the customer's objectives are and then figuring out how you can align those objectives and what would make the best sense and what's going to make the customer the most successful. So I think from that perspective, I've always been um, big on building the best teams I also like think that if I'm ever in a room and I think mm, I might be the smartest people person in here, like it's probably time for me to figure out a different room to get into. Right. Sure. I never want to be that smartest person in the room. I always want to be surrounded by some of the best um, 
talent there is and because I just think it up levels your game and up levels everything that's um that's to come and that's certainly how I have progressed a part of how I progressed my career at NetUp is I've been very blessed to have worked for very very smart people who I've learned a ton from right, right. you can't you, I didn't you know grow this career on my own I, it came with a lot of nurturing and help and leadership from people that have worked above me below me beside me right I learned from a lot from the um the girls in our little friend circles that we have in the New York office, right? We all have very different jobs. We have different customers. We have different th- ways we approach the business. And it's always very helpful for us to bounce ideas off each other. Both, hey, do you know someone that does this that can, I can have for this for my customer? Hey, have mm-hmm. anyone faced this, right? It's just good for us to kind of bounce off of each other that way. But then also just like, it's good to have that good personal tribe at work, right? We spend sure. a lot of time at work. <laughs> so <Right. laughs> you better like the people you work with. Otherwise, you know, it's probably not enjoyable of an, an experience for you. And I think that there's, so you've got to have both talent and I think, um, you know, people that you enjoy spending time with. Like that. I like that. You mentioned, um, you know, learning a lot from people above you. Um, has, has there been somebody that's been super influential, uh, a mentor or, you know, officially or otherwise um, that, you know, you, you think people should, should learn more about? Um, maybe it's a book. Uh, or like a mentorship, like a leadership program that you did. Is there anything along those lines that um, that, that have really kind of transformed the way you've um, you've become as a leader? Yeah, I think I've had three. Pro- I mean, I've had a ton of mentors at NetApp, right? But I think mm-hmm. three real primary mentors that I've worked for. And the the um, first one was a gentleman named Mark Weber, who's now actually a professor at Catholic University teaching sales. Oh, wow. right? So he, yeah, so he left the, the hard, the hard life. And uh, a couple of years ago, he was at that point, he was running America sales for us. And, um, you know, that was where really where his passion was, was teaching, which is what mm-hmm. he uh, certainly was uh, the role that he played, um, especially in my young career uh, on that perspective. So he definitely was very, I'll never forget. We were, I was moving from, I wanted to go into sales. Um, actually, I didn't really want to go into sales. He thought I should go into sales. And so I was in marketing at that time. And we'd had a little, <laughs> you know, chat about some, we were re- recapping some event that I just um, completed because of marketing. We do a lot of events in, in uh, technology sales, trade shows and stuff like that. And so we were recapping an event that I had just put on. And um, he, you know, was just like, man, it's, you know, it's time for you to start carrying your own weight around here. <laughs> and I was like, what? And he's like, oh man, you gotta get, you're built for this, right? And so he really, he would kind of point me in the direction and then he would expect me to come up with a plan and then he would look at my plan, check my plan, give, give feedback and advice, but always just kind of nudged me um, forward. And one of the big things he said to me um, early on was, you know, you don't let anyone ever tell you you're lucky. You weren't lucky that you got these jobs right. You worked mm-hmm. yourself to put yourself in a position to take advantage of an opportunity when it, you know, presented mm-hmm. itself. And that was a big thing that I, you know, I can still see exactly where I was standing when he told me that. So I think he has been fantastic. And then behind him were two other um, guys and a gentleman named Chip George and a gentleman named Rob Stein, um, who I worked for between Mark, Chip and um, Rob. That's 15 years of who I worked for at out pretty much. And so I, those three really, and they all play tennis together, <laughs> ironically. Uh-huh. So, um, so those three really were, you know, Chip for one was, loves to brainstorm with me loves like when, when I worked directly for him like we would brainstorm for hours just kind of looking at the deals trying to figure out what one of us was missing what you know resource were we forgetting did we you know was there a way that we weren't seeing that we were going to get beat right kind of really looking at holistically looking at the deal 
Um, and really, we really did that super well. And it really taught me that skill, which now today I use a lot with my teams. Um, and then the last gentleman, Rob Stein, um, he's just like steady Eddie. I mean, that guy's cool as a cucumber and it really balanced my very like, let's go like very and but he, he would really um, balance me when I would get, you know, excitable about something he could say, well, we should look at it this way or how about this? And he was, but at the same time, he wasn't holding me back. Right. So he really embraced kind of the, what I brought to the, to the workspace. Um, and so, and he, um, was really, um, he was the last, one of the last managers that I've worked here for at NetUp and he, um, promoted me twice and was very supportive of some of these new roles and challenges that they thought I could take on. So those three guys, and then there's a whole other, you know, village of people sure. that I would say that, are, you know, in, inside and outside of NetApp and everything else. <laughs> Love that. Um, you, you mentioned how you were, you went from marketing to sales. I'm curious because the Seth Godin will often say sales is marketing, like literally, mm -hmm. like your marketing should sell, should sell the product. Um, but I'm also curious because there is a a big hurdle for a lot of people that that sales is a dirty word. So how, how have you been able to overcome? Um, I'm not, I'm not even gonna say the fear of failure because you, you, you know, you, like Michael Jordan said, you, you, you know, you miss hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Um, but how, how, how close it, how close is that to, to hitting home? Like is sales a dirty word or was it for, uh, was it for you at one point where you ever like, can you just elaborate on your mindset as you approach a sale? Yeah, I actually think my time. So before I was in marketing, I was in operations when I first started at NetApp. And so I really actually think the having that operations background, then having that marketing background actually has made me a better sales person, sales leader, because I just look, look at it a little bit differently than if I had spent my entire career in sales. So sure. I think having a because totally marketing is, is say is a component of sales for sure, right? But it's a little bit different way that you can't you come at the customer in a little, little bit different way you position um, and, you know, what you do every day to try to drive those sales, right? Where marketing should be generating the brand and the leads and the, the, um, the energy, I guess you could say, around the opportunity and delivering those to the sales force. The sales force is the execution arm. Um, and so I think there's, there's two, different, um, two different roles they play in a company if it's, if it's a well-formulated um, well company. But um, certainly, I mean, sales, I think especially um, – growing you know growing up it or when I first started the industry I was like oh I'll never get into sales like what is this right I don't want to sell anything <laughs> but then you realize that if you really look at it like I said about mission focus what really got me hooked was working with the army because I started working with the army in 2005 right and if you think of what country was doing in 2005 and for about still today right is right. we were at war and if you really think about not, hey, I'm going to get this big sale, this big deal, I'm going to close it. And, you know, that makes me excited. Again, if you focus on the customer and you focus on the mission. And what I always loved about it was that, you know, it's, I'm not a soldier. I do not serve my country in a civilian capacity. But by serving the Army and helping the soldier be able to meet his mission and meet his role and do his job, it's another way of serving. Right. It's a little bit different. But that's always the way that I really looked at it was, hey, I mean, some of the things, you know, we're a data management company. So a lot of what we were doing was providing them the infrastructure downrange to 
run the war, <laughs> whether right. it was their app apps that were telling them with all their mapping systems, whether it was the general's briefing, whether it was, you know, delivering different intelligence across the battlefield. That's what we did. And I really got a lot of pride and felt a lot of, you know, th- that's really where I focused was how can I develop a solution that will and enable them to, to meet their mission. And if that really gets me excited in that, when you think about it that light, then it's not such a, a dirty word to be selling sure. something. Yes, you sold them something, but you re- also really served purpose. <laughs> Love that too. Yeah, you know, the the another, I'm a book nerd, but uh, start with why, you know, by- uh, Oh yeah, Simon. yep, I've read start with why. I've read that a couple yeah. of years, but yep. Yeah, and you know, just like starting with that um, and even like just finding it is, you know, essential. Um, but I guess to further the, the sales question, um, I, I view people who do sales um, as very good at matching, right? They can match body language, they can match tonalities, they can match, um, you know, the, the speed at which a person communicates. Um, and for you, I've seen you, you're, you're, you move fast, you talk fast, you communicate fast, um, and you, you like to be on your feet and go, go, go. So let's say you're, you're sitting in, with somebody in the army and he's a, um, maybe it's not like a, uh, I guess I'm trying to picture this meeting, but maybe they're moving a little, a little slower than you. Like how, how do you, how, how is your assimilation? Like how, how, how much do you um, try to like, not mime, but, but sort of, how much do you, do you, do you uh, change your body language or your, like your, um, your tonality or your, communication style if it's for instance you know we're in the northeast for somebody in the south like you know what i mean yeah i think um so i think there's two things so again i'll go back to the like if you go into an engagement whether it's a customer or just in life right and you and you kind of are putting the other person first i think Mm -hmm. you generally try to identify you know how you can help them in this situation and so you kind of put their hats on and if you've prepared for the meeting right then you can adapt in in my opinion now Look, I do talk fast. I also say y'all, right? And I also <laughs> yeah. am very structured <laughs> in the way that I always have an objective. You know, not not necessarily like an underline, but like I'm always here to like have, serve a purpose, right? And so, I'll me- I remember one meeting with one um, and a pretty couple high level army clients. Um, I had brought my boss at that time. It was Chip, the gentleman I referenced earlier, and and um, at this point, I had developed a pretty good relationship with this customer and and um, camaraderie, and so. We sat down and, you know, we're kind of shooting the, the bull, right? Because my um, chip had previously serviced this customer, so they had a previous relationship with him. And so we're chatting, we're chatting, we're chatting. And the customer you know, finally stops and looks and he goes, well, you know, Megan's got a list of things that we need to talk about today, <laughs> right? Like he knew that like I was going to come with a, a set of objectives to, and, it, and it was, but it was appreciated, right? Like they knew that we were going to accomplish, going to waste their time. And then in the course of that, this was a customer that was based in New Jersey at this point, a big um, army post there. I started speaking and I dropped a y'all because I tried to keep that out of my vernacular when I'm, you know, in the North and it could have stopped. I mean, you could have dropped a pin. They were like, Megan just dropped a y'all. Like this was, they, 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 they probably made their day. Right. right? And so I think um, at a certain point, if you try to change yourself too much, it's going to become off as false. So that I wouldn't recommend that anyone really tries to mimic things to that point. But I think if you can just lead in that kind of servant, um, you know, that servant mindset when you go into an engagement and think about that, then I think you'll 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 connect. 
with the person because they'll realize that you're there to help versus there to, again, to, to quote unquote, sell them something. Love that. Servant leadership. Um, I, I, speaking of books, is there a, a sales, maybe it might not be a sales book, but is there a book that you're like, somebody's new starting out and you're like, you must read this. You need to read this. This is going to help you advance your career. Like it, it might not be sales, like I said, but is there a book that you're like, here, just, you, you have to read this. Yeah. I don't know if there's like, I mean, when, when I first started in sales, it was like, you know, there were the Sandler school of sales or all these different selling methodologies and mechanisms. And I certainly read them. I think for me, like OJT on the job training has been the, the best yeah. for me and kind of just watching and mimicking. And even today, like I'll go into a meeting and I'll have one of my engineers and I'll be like, I really liked how you talked about that. And I'll pick that up hmm. from them. Right. I'll just right. listen to how people explain things or I'll learn something in that meeting. And so I don't know if there's a specific book for that. Um, one that I really got into last year, just in terms of organizing your time and your thoughts and the kind of just like your objectives for an organization was Measure What Matters by John Doerr. Oh, yeah. Um, I really liked that book and thinking about, you know, we were challenged with getting some pretty aggressive growth numbers. We were reorganizing an organization. We were we were up against a number of tasks. And I just really want us to give us the ability to kind of think about, hey, if we put something out there and we work towards it, you know, and I want it to be simple, right? In terms of, you know, about yep. OKRs, right? You pick three yep. and then you kind of backdoor your way into how you'll achieve that objective. And the object, the, out, the top objective is supposed to be pretty, I want to say audacious, but, to, but bordering on it, right? If you make sure. all of your OKRs, then you set them too low. So they're supposed to be challenging. Um, and then you measure them on these key results in terms of how you're going to get there. And so I've really enjoyed that book as of lately. I really liked um, Trillion Dollar Coach. It's about oh, Bill yeah. Campbell. Yeah, I love, love that book. He's a, that's another short, good read. I had my team yep. read that a couple years ago just to kind of really think about how we're engaging with our teams. I thought mm -hmm. that was a good a good one. Um, and besides that, I've honestly really gotten into podcasts lately because I just find that that's an easier digestible sure. way for me to digest some of this. So I listen to like the HBR um, podcast. The HBR magazine in general gives you a lot of really good um, fluid content that's digestible and short. But I guess the other book we just read at work is Zone to Win, which is about how you organize yourself. Zone to Win. So there's zone different zones huh. based on what you're trying to accomplish at that time. There's an opportunity zone, right? There's all these different zones and how you organize your business around that um, to make sure that you're devoting the right set of resources, the right set of time, right? Um, incubation, right? That you're incubating hmm. things to move them to the opportunity zone. And that was another, just again, like organizing your thoughts, right? Sure. In terms of how you're going to, go to market I found those books for me are um, a little better and I'm in the middle of um the originals by Adam Grant oh yeah great I'm not done with I that love, one yet love that Adam was, Grant that was a, I found that's the one I'm listening to um on audible right now yeah well he's great um well that was definitely a, I mean I've never heard of zone to win so that's going to be on my my audible list um speaking of audible are you a, a reader or you like to listen You know, I like to do both. Um, like as I'm sitting here in my office, I'm looking at Zone to Win and um, John Doerr. Actually, I think Julian Dollar Coach is over there somewhere too. But um, I have, I listen to all of those books mm -hmm. on Audible, but I also have the hard copies and ah, I tag them. Like that. So if I hear something that I want to think about or kind of really um, resonates with me, then I'll find it in the book and I'll tag it. And then it just helps me. I mean, like in high, you know, when I was growing up, in school, I was a big highlighter mm -hmm. and note taker. And so that just for me helps me think about 
um, kind of what the important things are and go back and think about like, okay, how does this apply to what we're actually trying to accomplish here, right? Because a lot of these are all right. theoretical. Um, so I like both, if I, I mean, if I'm doing like a novel or something for like pleasure, I read, I don't really listen to those on Audible. I mostly listen to um, uh, like business or, you know, nonfiction yeah. books on Audible. Love that, love that. Um, quote for you, the way you do one thing is the way you do anything. Do you agree? And if so, why or why not? Um, I think that I personally, well, parts of my personality certainly show up in everything that I do. I'm actually, I'm a pretty different person um, at work or in the gym or at school or when I have a focus mission purpose than I am with like in my personal life with my family and friends at work and school. I've always been very much leader. Let's go. Let's take the day, charge the hill, mm -hmm. right? Let's go get this done. Um, and very focused on that. Even, you know, I would have friends or in college that I would meet in class and then I would meet out like later at the bar and they'd be like, you are a different human being <laughs> because at class I'm like, let's get, we have, we're here to achieve an objective. Right. right. Um, but then in my more of my personal life role, I'm much, very much more of a support role. Um, I'm much more of a supporter than a leader in those kinds of relationships. And I, you know, I still show up with a hundred percent and give, hundred percent, but I'm just, I, I shift to a little bit of a different role. Even I'm the oldest in my family and I'm, I wouldn't even say I'm the leader, you know, of the children. So <laughs> I think my younger sister Wait, takes that and, role pretty well. And, and <laughs> so. how many, how many brothers and sisters? I have uh, a younger brother and two younger sisters. Got it. So you're the oldest of four. So am I. Got it. Okay, cool. Fun. Um, <laughs> um, so I, I'm curious about this too. And this caught me earlier. Um, within you know, your career, certainly motivation uh, is different, you know, when you started at NetApp and, and now, and you've had a tremendous amount of success at NetApp. Um, what, what's motivating you to, to keep going? I mean, I know you said you're, you're serving the, the, the you know, the army and the, the soldier, but um, why not branch off and do something on your own? Or like, why, what, what's, 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 what's motivating you to, to keep pushing forward? Yeah. So one goes back to that whole, we've been three companies, right? So we're really in the infancy stages of, um, of company three, right? And that's the cloud. So we're transitioning ourselves into a cloud company and a software company that's really going to allow customers. It's pretty empowering what we'll be able to allow customers to do in terms of the way they manage their data and they have access to their data. Mm -hmm. We all as consumers take it for granted that when we pick up our iPhone, everything that we want is there, right? We turn up, right? But when, you're, when you are running a major enterprise, or you're running a major um, program for a government agency or for a higher educational institution or healthcare, right? In terms of, if you just think about today and from a healthcare perspective, the data that you, that is your data about your personal, you know, your personal health data, mm -hmm. you, if you go from doctor, 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 you expect to be able to have access to that data. Like gone are the days if it sits on a, a color coded, you know, folder in your doctor's office. And the only way you can get it is if he mails it or he faxes right. it. Right. Yeah. And so, what we're really empowering customers to do is to have access to that data no matter where they are, clients and the way that they run. So it's very, um, which is powerful in the way that this, the way that the world is moving, right? So if you think about things, just like, think about it from a COVID perspective, right? Whether that's, hey, all of a sudden we have to shift all these kids to, you know, remote classrooms, or we have to all of a sudden get um, government workers to be able to work from home, or we have to contract chasing because we're trying to figure out what's going on with COVID, right? All those things sure. require very, um, mobile mobility and agility of your data. And that's what we're empowering customers to do. So that is we're on the beginning of that evolution. So that 
excites me. And then the people, right? I mean, people showing up, I laugh every day at work a lot, right? I, yeah. and I, have, you know, and so I think if you have fun, especially in the world that we're living in right now, to be able to get up and be excited to talk to the people and, and the, see the people that, and now I see my team actually more than I actually saw them before because we're on Zooms <laughs> together. Right. Right. I would see people, but it was who, you know, I would see my Dallas team or I would see my team that was in Boston or I would see, right. It was whoever I was with that engaging with, to be honest, I wouldn't turn on a camera before on a conference call. Never would have done that pre-COVID. <laughs> now I'm like, boom, right. like, I'll be like, except by like eating or like, I didn't get to shower after the gym, you know, like there's a couple of times that I won't turn it on, but we all turn them on. So I actually see their faces and I, we, I see how they're engaging and so I actually think from that perspective, COVID is bringing us a little bit, a little bit closer and it's kind of, you know, helping kind of bridge those gaps, all these new tech and technologies in terms of Zoom or WebEx or, you know, pick your poison from that perspective. So sure. I think the people um, on my team, I just love working with. So that's really helps you stay motivated and excited about coming to work every day. Love that. Um, before I get to our, our kind of fast switch section, is there anything else you'd like to talk about or questions or any book recommendations that are coming to mind? Um, you know, the only other thing that I think we didn't talk, I, I failed to bring up when we were talking about time management is this other discussion I'm having a lot with my team right now. And I think is very relevant as we're all trying to figure out how we continue to work from home, live from sure. home, school mm -hmm. from home. Right. I mean, yeah. it's, there's a lot going on. Heaven forbid you have to, you know, have a hospital from home, right. If someone actually within your family circle gets sick here. And so I, one of the things that we're having a lot of discussions about right now is about um, productivity versus activity and not confusing mm. one for the other. And I think that's and I, my, one of my big mantras is, Hey guys, every yes is a no. Right. So if you say yes to going and doing this, you are saying inherently no to going and doing something else because there are only so many hours in the day. And so let's really make sure that the things that we're doing are high value, have an objective, especially when you're when you're working. Right. Let's make sure that we're doing really productive things, not just active things so that you can get on and go do the rest of the things that, you you know, go help your son with algebra, <laughs> go figure out why your third graders crying because she can't get on zoom, you know, like you, there's, that's what we're living in right now. And sure. so we have to balance all of that. And if we just confuse, and especially for a sales team, that's used to traveling right now to sit in front of a computer, it's a weird adjustment. And so you're like, Oh, I'll do that just because you can now, cause you're sitting in front of a computer where before, when you were about to go get on a plane, you would be like, I'm not doing that. That's so-and-so's job. Or, I'm gonna <laughs> Right. And so let's, yeah. let's continue to be productive versus just active in the way that we, um, take on the task in our days to make sure we can continue to be sane and balanced human beings, but also so that we can continue to be successful in this new world we're living in right now. Sure. Um, yeah. And I remember this quote from uh, Adam Grant, actually, I think it was on Twitter. Um, and he was talking about how the, the work day itse itself is about 10 to 20% longer because you, you don't have a reason to say you can't do it at 8am, right? You don't, you're not, on a plane or on a train, you, you can, you could do it. Uh, and then people are answering emails after dinner, you know? So like their, their, um, their day is, is evolved to be a bit longer. So that I like that a lot, that productivity versus activity. I think there's a, a, a lot of value in evaluating that. Um, yeah. One of my colleagues today just told me, I didn't even know he was doing this. Not like, he's like my peer for running engineering. He's like, um, I get up and drive to the office every day. He's like, I actually just come back home but I just need to go drive to the office. So I have like a half an hour commute where I'm in my car, out of the house, listening to my podcast, doing whatever I need to do. And then when I come back to my office where I just left my home office, I feel like I went into the office. 
<laughs> and for him, that's helped him, right? Sure. Kind of define that, those lines. Because if not, you're right. You can get up and start working and, you know, not stop until you, you pass out at night if you choose in this world. Because there, no, there are no firm lines of I'm going into the office and I'm leaving the office. Sure. Um, I love that. Yeah, that's great. I, I, I was actually just asking um, Megan Quinn the other day. I said, do you enjoy driving because i for me it's it, it, it's sort of meditative i put on an audiobook i can kind of like get some sunflower seeds and i'm good um <laughs> so uh that's a that's the first time i've heard that though i like that um all right wow we've, we've really covered a lot um and i, I actually I, I think with some of these little fast twitch questions i'm gonna i'm gonna grill you on them a little bit because um you know they're they're we can elaborate um but anything else that you want to cover real quick no, I think that I think that was good. Enjoy awesome. the conversation. Yeah, me too. So, um, yeah, I call this section fast twitch. So these are just one word, sometimes two word um, answers, and uh, and I might have more questions after them. But um, all right, you ready? Mm-hmm. All right. So, what is your spirit animal? Mm. Tiger. <laughs> uh, <laughs> pancakes or waffles? Pancakes. Good choice. This is the tough. This is probably the toughest question I've asked you all day. Brady or Belichick? Oh, oh man. I think I say stick with Belichick. Stick with the coach. Mm, gotta like it. Gotta like it. Um, kind of thought you would lean that way. Uh, favorite season? Fall. I mean, I love them all. To be honest with you, that's like one of the great parts about growing up in Virginia is that you get all four seasons, sure. all of them, right? And so I would yeah. have a you know, play this game when I used to travel, like, could I live here? You know, in some places resounding, like, oh no. Right. But some mm-hmm. of those places you're like, okay, but uh, the, you know, even cool, like, you know, there's places like Austin, Texas, great city, but it's like, it's pretty much hot there year round. Right. And yeah. so like, that, well, that's really awesome when I go there in February and it's freezing at home. Like I, I enjoy all four seasons. Um, I think I like fall because it's, I like football, right. Typically it's still a little bit of an Indian summer if you're in the mid Atlantic uh, to Northeast area. I like the changing of the trees, but also mm-hmm. all seasons are great. Yeah. Uh, most impactful book, the one that you read that you're like, this one, maybe you've gone back to it once or twice. Mm, I mean, the book I read every year is The Great Gap. <laughs> I like that. Um, what is your favorite workout wear line? Like for me, it's Under Armour. What's, what's your favorite? Uh, for pants i like the that michi brand i like how they're high-waisted and they, they hold up pretty well but you know what i went away from lululemon for a while because i wasn't too, digging them too much but they're running shorts which it's like i have to work out outside right now because you know because of covid and so i've been having to invest in shorts because it's so hot out nice. and i actually really like their shorts this year. i mean i have two pairs and i um actually really like them so right, i wasn't short- a, i'm not yeah i'm not really a lulu person but they, the shorts kind of got me back so and maybe, maybe shorts are on the way back. Who knows? Um, <laughs> um, well, it's funny because side note, but we were talking with somebody else the other day. They're like, yeah, I've pretty much worn yoga pants for every Zoom call. And I just wear a dress up top, but um, <laughs> I, they wear uh, yoga pants every day. Um, favorite country music group or star? Eric Church. Oh, I thought you were going to go with Sam Hunt. I literally wrote down, <laughs> you've, you've seen him multiple times. Eric Church, um, I've seen like I'm a borderline, you know, restraining order. I've seen him a lot, so definitely Eric Church. Um, by the way, I have a fun Dan and Shay story after this for you, so, separate but it's a crazy story. Um, anyways, uh, beach or mountains? Mm, the mountains can have a lake. 
I mean, if I had to be trapped on one for the rest of my life, I would do mountains. Cause I really? it's just, yeah, I think I like really, especially during um, COVID, I've really gotten into hiking more. I loved it before, but that was one of the only things that you could do <laughs> for a while. Right? right. And so I was, I mean, for a while I was hiking every Saturday. I, I mean, I know like every mountain within about a 90 minute right radius of DC now at this point. <laughs> um, and then I just, I find a lot of like, there's a lot of peace and it's an active, right. Beach is sure. great when you just want to go and relax and, and totally love. You can't beat that if you're looking for a relaxing vibe, but I think I'd get bored there eventually. So I, if I had to choose one, I would say mountains. See, we have different approaches because when I go to the beach, I go and I want to make the biggest sand castle. I want to be swimming and like body surfing and boogie boarding, you know, or like play football. Like I have to be like, I, I go like lay down for like a minute and I'm like, okay, now, now what? <laughs> yeah, no, but, mine's more like, read. I mean, I go my, now that my nieces and nephews are getting into that, they're old enough to swim. We do do our fair share of body surfing, but, um, yeah. but yeah, but I think I like the, I've really kind of uh, um, enjoyed the mountains, especially this past couple of months. Uh, and not to get nostalgic here, but favorite airline. Gosh, they're all so bad. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, um, I, I would have to go United. I'm a, I'm a little bit salty right now in American based on a pre experience experience I've recently had with them. Um, so. Oh yeah, I saw that. So I think um, right now United, but I, hopefully, look, hopefully that's one of the things that will come out on the better end of this, right? I think for a while they were you know it's obviously a monopoly at a certain point you've got a couple of carriers but depending on what airline airport you are based out of like you really have one sure. maybe two right <laughs> and they kind of hold the, the monopoly on markets so you know maybe that will be one thing that'll come out of this for the better is it improves airline travel sure i like that um besides rudy what's your favorite sports movie oh uh for the love of the game Ooh. I like, how you didn't, I like how you didn't correct me either. <laughs> yeah. Um, actually, Notre Dame went just back to school today. Um, I'm going to see how that works. Who did? But Notre Dame, they went back to, they started school today. I know, but they're talking about canceling the season. So anyway, separate, separate conversation, but yeah. Yep. Um, East or West Coast? East. Uh, favorite concert venue? Uh, Red Rocks in Denver. Like that. Um favorite run you've been on favorite run i've been on um i mean there's not you know uh, if you have to repetitively do a run on a regular basis mm -hmm. there aren't a few places that you can be you know i think it's in central park right i mean there's a couple sure. different options you can run in a couple different loops so i think that that yep. um is certainly um a, a top I'm run um yeah. i'm trying to think of recently where i've been that's been like really picturesque i mean a lot of the stuff along the, the California coast is beautiful. I did a, um, right. a relay race a couple of years ago that went from Calistoga to Santa Cruz. Um, and my three legs were in wine country, um, Marin <laughs> and Palo Alto. So, mm -hmm. um, I, 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 that, gorgeous. So, yeah, it was just, there, there was just a lot of good scenery and I just like kind of being, feeling like I'm in nature a little bit. Um, yeah, of course. When I'm running if, if possible. So, but yeah, I think urban definitely can't beat central park. And then, um, that California coast is pretty good. <laughs> Love that. Uh, would you rather mow the lawn or shovel the driveway? Oh, lawn. Definitely. <laughs> I'd, I'd get uh, a riding lawn more or I'd pay someone to do it. <laughs> I'd um, outsource that. <laughs> fair enough. Uh, favorite adult <laughs> beverage? Oh man, tequila is, is up there these days. Although, you know what? My, um, my, my drink of the, of the quarantine has been a spritz. Um, an Aperol spritz has been my my yeah. du jour because otherwise get too heavy on the alcohol it's like we got nowhere else to go so it can get dangerous <laughs> so the Aperol spritz has been a 
I've been what I've been jamming lately, but I've, a good a good um, tequila, good margaritas, finalist. Like that, I'm a tequila guy myself. Uh, Duncan Starbucks, Timmy Hose, what do you got? Um, so right now, it's actually part of my um, morning routine that I have every morning. So I have an engineer that's on my team who roasts his own beans, and he's a coffee aficionado. So he actually has myself, and he's dragged Quinn into this. Um, we have a coffee club, and he sends us beans every month. Um, and so he handpicks them or hand roasts them and sends them to us. He actually hooked, bought all my coffee stuff. He's such a coffee snob, everything he bought. And then he bought me an Amazon outlet so that I can actually have an Alexa tell Alexa to make my coffee in the morning and lay in bed and read email before I have to get up. My coffee's all ready for me. So that's amazing. I have, <laughs> I have, he rigged it all up. It's great. He's um, that's like a mousetrap. It's literally like a mousetrap for coffee. I love that. So then that. you're like, Oh, I smell it. It's time to get up. Um, yeah. But he, so I have to go custom. None of the, if I had to choose one of those three, Right, right. I'll go Duncan's, but I like small batch brands and um, yeah, me too. And uh, and kind of finding um, new beans like that. So uh, can you can you introduce that. us? Se- separate conversation, but I I really like this guy. Yeah, he's already. great. He he just Venmo's me how much I owe him, and then the beans show up like two days later. It's great. It's awesome. That's amazing. Love <laughs> so. that. Um, small batch is the way to go, by the way. Um, uh, favorite TV show. Um, right now it's probably I'm finishing up Ozarks. I'm not a big TV person because I tend to fall asleep when I lay down mm-hmm. to watch TV. So um, I'm finishing up season three of Ozarks um, right now. I mean, that's what I want. You know, there's not a lot out right now. Just been a little bit disappointing, but I'm yeah, sure I'm, I know. I'm behind on some things. But right now I'm finishing up season three of Ozarks. That's pretty good. I've been dragging through billions. I don't know. I loved that show at first and now it's kind of slowing down for me. I'm trying to finish season, that. Season four was good. I was, I was upset that they like, you know, did the, the little pause there. Um, but I, yeah. I would say, I would say season four is, is entertaining. Um, uh, hot dog or hamburger? Hamburger. Uh, speaking of last one of food, um, one meal, the rest of your life. What is it? Breakfast, lunch, dinner. One meal. Oh man. Breakfast, lunch and dinner. No, no, no. I mean, it could be, it could be anything, oh. any, any option. Um, And you're a foodie, just so just so we're clear. We're, like, <laughs> yeah, this, this I mean, is... I'm thinking about like sea bass. To be honest with you, is really where my head's going right now on that. Um, okay. Um, but I mean, you can only eat so much fish for the rest of your life, so that's a tough one. <laughs> you, not, you would not like sea bass, no matter how well it was prepared. I mean, if I had to live on one thing for the rest of my life, I would live on a cheese and charcuterie board. Let's be honest. A <laughs> like, cheese what? A cheese and charcuterie board. Just give me oh, yeah, that's fair. And a bottle yeah. of wine. If I had to eat one thing for the rest of my life, that's probably, you know, give me an avocado on the side. That's probably, I could probably survive. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, Megan, I've taken uh, plenty of your time and I've exhausted my fast twitch questions. Uh, anything else you want uh, our audience to, to know about you or? Uh, where to find you? Do you want them to follow you on Instagram, or you prefer them find you on LinkedIn? Yeah, where, wherever you can link, you can link um, all three of those options. But they're happy to connect. You know, like, like I said, I started. I've been with my company for 16 years, and I had a lot of great mentors along the way. So I'm always happy to help in any way that I can, or offer up any guidance as people are kind of trying to figure things out. Um, because I only got there from the you know the help of others. So sure, happy to happy to connect. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks so much. This has been great, and. Um... Uh, stay tuned for, uh, for, I don't know, in the next couple of weeks, we'll get uh, episode four out. But thanks again, Megan. Awesome. Thanks, Coach Kev. Have a good night. All right. All right bye. bye.